Welcome to the Right Fight Podcast, a discussion about how to live a loving life. I'm Reg Lloyd, and we're having a conversation with Kenny Vaughn. Kenny, we have made our way to chapter eight today, which is called Religion or Love. I think the title says it all. Are you saying it's either one or the other? I think so. And, you know, I told you before we started, don't be afraid to tune me up if I get if I get this wrong. And I like to be really careful with this because I'll never forget I was in my early 20s. I met Tammy, and she was starting to – I was starting to see the fruit of Christ in her life. So I was in this place where I, I knew who Jesus was, and, you know, I, I, I loved him or, I, you know, I, I didn't I, – well, I didn't really know who he was. I knew who he was the Son of God, and I had honor and respect and – and I wanted to know him, but I didn't. I could see she did. So I'm learning that from her that she truly knows who he is. And I'm seeing the difference that's making in her life compared to my own. So now I'm getting into church, and my uncle's a pastor. And we go to his church a few times. I'm liking him. He took me to dinner. He showed me around in God's Word. But somewhere along the way, he said something to the effect that religion wasn't a good thing. And so, you know, when your uncle's a pastor, by the way, you know, half the family thinks he's incredible, and the other half thinks he's leading a cult, <laughs> you know? And so, or maybe that was just mine. I don't know. And so, um, so I'm when he tells me religions, he doesn't think religion's a good thing, I'm like, he's leading a cult. You know, like, like he, I, because my, my, my belief system was that Jesus is religion. And because I believe that, when you told me that religion wasn't good, to me, you're telling me Jesus isn't good. And even though I don't really know who he is, I know that's wrong, uh, or I believe that's wrong. So it was hard for me to swallow, uh, and it took me quite a while to finally really understand what he was trying to tell me. So I want to be careful in how I address this, because I don't want to miscommunicate. Um, but, what, but here's, essentially, this is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that Jesus is love. He is not a religion. Maybe the simplest way to think of this is just to imagine, you know, one day we're all going to die. We're going to stand before God. I don't think that we're going to be asked what religion we were. And I don't think it's going to matter if we think we're Catholic or we think we're Baptist or we think we're anything else. I think we're going to be asked, you know, oh, oh, who's, who's accountable for our sins? And the only answer, only hope we have is that we get His righteousness in the place of our sin, that he paid the price for our sin. So I think, I guess essentially you could say, I think the question would be, do you or don't you know Jesus? You know, do you, do you, don't you have faith in him? Do you, don't you love him? So it's, it's, he's not a religion, he's love. And it's his love for us that made the way for us to be saved. Religion, on the other hand, at its core, I think, and I say, and I mention in the book, The Right Fight, I say, you know, either all religions are false, or only one is true, simply because they all have a different set of beliefs. Like they, they, they believe things that are completely contrary and different. So they can't all be true. And, and because so many of them have so many different belief systems, and there's thousands of them, you know, you, I, I just felt like I have to conclude they're either all false or one of the many are actually true. And 
And so then for a while I thought, you know what, the religion of Christianity is true and all the other religions are false. But eventually I came to realize that Christianity in its truest form is not a religion at all. And here's what I mean by that. I just mean that I believe that the only difference, I think all religions are the same, just meaning that religion is you do this, you get that. You don't do this, you get the, you get this other thing. So the only and they're all the same. They're all that, that the only difference between all the religions of the world, aside from, you know that they're the same in that aspect. The only difference is what you must do, and what you get if you do it, and what you get if you don't do it. That's the only difference between all of them. And so, Christianity in its pure and true form, that's not what Christ teaches at all. Like he's, he's, he's the only one who comes and says it's a free, that his love is a free gift, not of works, lest no man boast. Meaning there's nothing you can do to get it. You know, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess you could say, well, the one thing you can do is have the faith to believe and love him. But there's no works at all involved in receiving his love. He loves you. Your responsibility is to receive it. The problem with religion is that is that when we get caught up in the do it to get it, it leads us to become prideful if we actually do it. And love is not prideful. It's the opposite of what love is. And, and then it leads us to look down on people who don't do it. And so the religion in itself, I believe, is, is somewhat of a trap. And then, and then love, on the other hand, love is like this. It's like, I can't do it. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. But yet, somehow, because of his love for me, despite me, not because of who I am, but despite who I am, I get it. And that doesn't lead me to become prideful. It leads me to become grateful. And so when all those lights started coming on for me, I was like, that's when I started realizing, you know, Jesus is not a religion. He is love. And that is the difference between him and, and, and everybody and all the other religions of the world. So let, let me just give a few examples. The first one that always comes to my mind is the thief on the cross. And I just think, here's a guy. So Jesus is being crucified. There's two thieves that are being crucified with him. I think one on each side of him. You know, most people are mocking Jesus. I, I think when, when they first went up, I've heard, you know, maybe, maybe both these guys were, were initially mocking Jesus. One of them continues to mock him. But this other guy looks at the second thief. One of the thieves looks at the other thief, and he says, man, leave him alone, basically. He says, you know, we, we deserve to be here. Um, we earned the right to be on this cross. We were, we were justly being punished for what we did. But this guy didn't do anything. Like he, he's not justly being punished. So he takes this stand, and then he, then he turns to Jesus, and he says, would you remember me? And then Jesus says, you will be in paradise with me. So I'm going, what? Where's the religion in this? Where are the works in this? What did this guy do to earn the gift of being with Christ? And, and you know, it's obvious, it's very simple that there's nothing there. There's nothing he did. There's nothing that, that he 
accomplished to earn this privilege. He just made a decision. And so I'm going, what, you know, so, okay, so what decision did he make? And the decision I believe he made was just, just to say what he said, but he, something was different in his heart. Something changed inside him. So, so that he went from where he was to the place of, you know what, this is what's right, what's happening to us. In the case of religion, I didn't keep the rules. I'm getting what I deserved. But he, in a, in a way, I would say he loved Jesus. He, he took a stand for Christ. And when he did, he found eternal life. He found paradise. Like, he didn't do it to get paradise, I don't think. I don't think this guy was thinking, hey, man, like religion would teach you, if you do this, you're going to get paradise. I don't think that was even on his mind. He just he made, he, he made a loving decision, and bam, there it was. And so that, you know, but I'll give you another example. Um, I, I like this story a lot. This is two guys that go to pray in the, uh, in the temple, and I'm going to attempt to read this, even though I struggle to read things sometimes. But so, um, and, and it starts out, it just says that there's these two guys, and they were self-righteous, you would say. You know, they, they, and they, they tend to look down on everyone else. So Jesus tells this parable talking to, or, or there's these people, not these two. He uses the example of two men to, to make this truth known to these people that seem to be self-righteous. And this is what he said. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And, you know, a Pharisee's this highly religious person who's very good at keeping all of the rules. And, and at this time, obviously, the tax collector was the most despised. You know, like this guy's going around punishing people for not giving them money that's theirs. You know, and so, and so, uh, so the Pharisee stood by him. This is what he says. Jesus says, this. "The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector." He's looking at the other guy. You know, he's he's a very religious. He's excellent at what he does. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all of I that of all that I get. And Jesus says, "But the tax collector." stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. So Jesus is saying, this tax collector who stood at a distance in humility didn't fast, didn't, I'm, I'm assuming he didn't do all these religious things, didn't give a tenth of his money, whatever, he went away justified. The Pharisee who did all the religious things didn't. What's going on here? Okay, I mean, when the first time I read this, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm confused. You know what? Am I? I thought I was supposed to be doing all that stuff, and that's not working. But but I think Jesus is looking on the heart. Not I think what he's trying to show us here is that he's looking on the heart, not the act, and that that the sinner. Was, be, was, was truthful. He was like the thief on the cross. He's like, I deserve to be here. I deserve this punishment. I don't deserve what you have to offer. But would you remember me? Would you forgive me? Would you? Would you? And, and then and Jesus is saying, that is what the kingdom of heaven is looking for. Not all this religious stuff. That's what I'm looking for. So that's why I share, share another example with you, okay? Y'all know the story of the prodigal son. Most of us know the prodigal 
prodigal son story. I'll give you a real brief version of it because I want to touch on the end of the story. But basically, you, you know, you have this son who's, uh, who's like this tax collector, you know, and he's got two sons. He's got one's like the tax collector, and he's got one that's like the Pharisee. Uh, one son who just does everything the dad asked him to do, all this stuff's in order all the time, you know, everything's right. And then he's got another son that just seems like a heathen, you know, kind of like me. <laughs> all my stuff's always a mess all the time, you know. I mean, my garage, I mean, Tammy's always like, when are you ever going to clean this place up? You know, so he's got two. Well, the heathen finally very selfishly comes to death, says, hey, I want my inheritance now before you die. And, and I'm, I'm going to go. And he, so he gets it, and he leaves, and he goes, and he wastes it all, and then his life turns into a living hell. And, and and finally he comes to the end of himself and he comes home and he's he's like, hey, maybe I could just be my dad's servant because out here I'm living with pigs and and it's, you know, I've wasted everything. Being my dad's servant would be better than being out here. So he comes home with that mindset and that heart. His dad is excited and grateful. Like his son came to himself. And so he slaughters a pig, I mean, a calf, and gets him a robe and all this. Well, the older brother, the, you know, the, the excellent brother, he's outside, you know, doing something. He hears all the ruckus. He asks one of the servants, hey, what's going on there? And they're like, oh, man, good news. Your little brother came home. And, you know, he's, he, your dad slaughtered a fatty calf, put a robe on him. The old brother is like, wait, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know, he, he did all of that for him. He's never done anything like that for me. And he won't even go inside the house, right? And so the, the dad wants him to come inside the house. The dad goes outside and talks to him. This is what, um, I just want to read this part of the story. So he says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fatty calf because he was back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But the, he, he answered his father. The older brother answers his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never dis disobeyed your orders. He's keeping the law. He's, he's being religious. He's fasting, whatever. You know, I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a even a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property in pro on prostitutes and has come home, you kill a fatted calf for him. And so the first time I read this, I'm like, Jesus, what's going on, man? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Because I, I'm kind of with the older brother. <laughs> I mean, this, he went and wasted all that, and now he's come back for my, my half, you know, or whatever's going on here. But again, I think Jesus is looking on the heart. So when this guy says, when the older brother says, all this time I, dis, I, I did all these things, I obeyed you, I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat. What he said right there was, I did all of this to get something. His heart was revealed right there. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to show us, he's trying to reveal to us that that that. That is no better, maybe worse, than squandering everything in the sinful living. And now his younger brothers come home. So, so really the older brother and the younger brother were in the same place. They were both selfish. One was religious and one was just all out in his sin. But they were both in sin. And then the younger brother finally, 
abandons his sin and humbles himself, but the older brother is still in his. And so that's religion. And the younger brother who is in his sin has now repented, and love is welcoming him back home, right? And that's amazing because we're, you know, some people are the older brother. I'm the little brother. You know what I mean? I'm not squandering everything, you know, living out what all these things, right? So I'll give you, give you another example. The last one, we'll try to wrap this up. This one helped me a lot. Um, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so this story, you have, you have King Nebuchadnezzar, and, you, and, and so he decides he's going to make this golden idol as a god that everybody's going to have to worship. They're going to come and bow down and pray before it, and he puts the word out to everybody. If you don't come and bow down and pray before his golden idol or whatever the whatever the heck it is, you know what I mean? Like some of this reminds me of modern day. I'm like, you know, but I won't get on that tangent. If you don't come and bow down, then you're going to be thrown into the furnace. It's like he tries to think of what's the worst possible thing I can do. This is what all fearful leaders do, by the way. It doesn't matter if it's a small company or a country or what it is. The fearful leaders who are leading by fear We'll, we'll try to think of the worst possible consequence they can imagine to force you to become obedient. They want to control you. Love doesn't want to control you. Love wants to guide you, but it gives you free will. It gives you the, the, the power to make the decision on what you will or won't do. That's not how fear works at all. Fear comes swooping in, and it's do this or get that. It's, it's religion. And so he does this. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, they have the first... Whatever goes on, everybody comes and bows down, and, but nobody can find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like, where are these guys at? You know, and of course, you know the religious people. It probably wasn't the sinners that said, hey, man, y'all notice they didn't go show up. It's probably some other religious guy going, hey, man, we all came and bowed down, King Nebuchadnezzar, but you may not have noticed, but, you know, I, 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 I'm just trying to help you out. There's, there's some Jews that didn't show up, and this is who they were. So then he calls them and before him, and he, and he explains to them, hey, man, guys, you know, you're going to bow down for the idol too, or we're going to put you in the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in response to this, this is what they say, something along these lines. They say, they say there's just no chance we're going to bow down to your idol. It's absolutely, we don't need, a, we don't need a, uh, a sermon or anything. We could just get that straight right up front. We're not going to bat onto your honor, even if you put us in the hot burning furnace or wherever you, whatever you do with this. And then they say, our, even if you, if you put us in there, we believe our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we won't bow to your idol. And I read over that so many times, and I never, I just skipped right over it. I never got it, got it. But as I started realizing that God wasn't love and that he looked on our hearts and he was looking for why we do what we do, not what we do, that religion is like doing all these things, keeping all these rules and expecting this reward, but that love was why you did them. And then when I, so you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they say, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow to your idol. I'm like, that's love. That's not, they're not, they're not refusing to bow to a false idol because they think they're going to get a reward if they don't. They're refusing to bow because they believe it's the truth, that it's a false idol, and that there's a true God that loves them and, and that at all costs, 
they're not going to bow. So even if God doesn't deliver this one, and I, I, Reggie, I think now I often think that's what got them out. Because if you know the rest of the story, you know, they go into the furnace and they're still, they still see them in there. So he's like, man, we'll heap some more coal and what, turn the temperature up. Hotter, hotter, hotter. Then they say, maybe there's, maybe there's a fork guy in there. Where'd he come from? And who is that? You know, so that you're Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> like all fear led leaders, when the fear doesn't work, you know, uh, now they're scared to death, you know. And so, but they come out of this furnace. God's word tells us they didn't even smell the smoke. And then what happens? Nebuchadnezzar's like, man, we need to talk to these guys, you know, I, because, hey, I'm scared now, right? And surely their God is the God, not this. My idol would have melted in there, right? And they stood up to me. They stood on what they believed, and then the God delivered them. And so then they had this influence in their lives. So anyway, in all of these cases, the theme of the story starts becoming why we do what we do, and that that God is not love. I'm sorry, He's not religion. He really is love. And then from there, this whole podcast, the whole book. Everything I've been trying to say all these years all come out, comes out of that. What is love? I, I need to know love so I can know God. And, and I've said it many times, and I think that in each of these cases, in the cases where Jesus, Jesus was showing his approval for, for love, it was, it was someone surrendering, setting themselves aside, and saying they want to do what's right, what's true, what's best at all costs with no regard for themselves. And I think that's the act of love. And so that's where I'm forever trying to get my own heart right because, you know, I'm constantly the big brother, um, you know, and if and I'm like, you know what, should I bow to this idol? Because I could get something, you know, and should I, um, you know, take a stand of truth here because I can get something or I'll look better or whatever and I got to get my wives right. Does that make sense or is that a... I think you explained that chapter very well. So love, not religion. Love, not religion. Religion's a trap. And there's more explanation in your book as well. Yeah. Talk about Judas selling out, but uh, we'll leave oh, that. Oh yeah. We'll leave that as uh, get the book and read it. Yeah. How about that. That was another good one. All right. Thirty sell. Well, that wraps up another podcast. Until next time, trust God's word no matter what. Keep your eyes on the horizon. Thanks for listening to The Right Fight Podcast. Make sure to check out Kenny's book, The Right Fight, for more on how to live a loving life. It's available on their website, shieldsofstrength.com, Audible, and all digital platforms. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can email support at shieldsofstrength.com and put podcast as the subject. And make sure to follow Kenny on Instagram and TikTok at John Kennedy Vaughn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.